Welcome to the Best Ever You Network, celebrating our third year on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Thank you for helping us become a number one rated live show with over one million global listeners. Our team is on a mission to help you discover your authentic best self and bring it to the world. And now, here's our show. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show, and I know we're going to have to update that introduction soon because we're we're really getting close to two million downloads. And so, thank you so much for listening and following our show and sharing it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr. And I'm seeing it everywhere, and I just love it. I even see it on LinkedIn. So, thank you so much for um, just just helping us share all these wonderful guests with the world and their their stories and their accomplishments and everything that they do to help us all be our best. And I want to thank Jill for introducing me to our next guest, um, who is Allegra Kent. Um, she's a beautiful, legendary ballerina, and uh, she's here with us, and I'm going to be quiet and just say hi. How are you, Allegra? Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. And um, what would you like to hear about? <laughs> I would, I, you know, I would, I would love to hear about, oh, I, you know, just you in the beginning, like who are your first teachers and what school you went to, and and just yeah, just take us, take us on your journey. I, I want to hear all about you. Or, well, I think I'll take, um, I'll start a little before that. Uh, my mother was very restless, and this was during World War II, and we constantly changed uh, coasts between California and Florida. And But at a certain point, she decided to put my brother and me in a boarding school because she thought that would be really good for our education. And she chose a boarding school in California. And uh, I was nine, my brother was 10, And at nine, I had never seen ballet. I'd only heard of it. And uh, so the first year, I kept thinking about what I'd like to do when I grew up. And the second year, they introduced folk dancing. And I loved it so much. And they also had three records in the living room of the... uh, boarding school, and I would play them over and over again and dance to them. So I wrote my mother a letter telling her to please take me out because I wanted to become a ballerina. And what I thought was that a ballerina was a grown-up profession, and it would help me keep my childhood forever. Of course, I really knew nothing about ballet except that you dance. So... uh, After my second year of boarding school, mother uh, took me home, and she started looking for a teacher. And uh, she found Bronislava Nijinska. So let me explain who Bronislava was. The the sister of Vaslav Nijinsky, and the very, very famous dancer from Russia. So she thought, oh, this is where... Allegra should start to study. So we went over to the school, and my mother said to the secretary, I'd like to enroll my daughter in the beginner's class. And the lady at the desk said, we don't have beginners. We have intermediate 
intermediate and advanced only. So my mother thought for a second, and she said, okay, I'll enroll my daughter in the uh, intermediate class. So I, Aren't you lucky? <laughs> <laughs> so I went into the class, and who did I see but many, many men who uh, were on the GI Bill of Rights, and they, uh, after the war, the brutal, horrible war that they served in, they wanted to dance. So they were... They had already been studying for a little while, and I think they didn't realize that you just can't start to become a ballet dancer at 22. But I was very moved by seeing all these men in class, and I was a little girl and knew nothing about ballet, really, except I wanted to dance. So after the first class, I thought, this is impossible. It's just like I came in and everyone knew what to do, and I didn't know anything. But I I understood plies, because you bend your knees in a plie. And plie is the word for French. It means bend in French. So I thought, the whole world knows how to bend their knees. So that I can do. And at the end, we did big jumps all around the room, and that I knew how to do. Just the whole middle I didn't know how to do. And I thought, oh, I guess I'll give up. But I had, a, I had moxie in my, in my personality, so I told my mother... <laughs> yeah. I told my mother to take me to the library so I could find out more, you know, at least look at dancers' pictures and try to figure out what the ballet terms were, because they were all in French. And um, so she she did that, and I just kept working and working. And I had natural coordination, dare I say it. So I caught up very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I proceeded, and I studied three years in California, with Nishinska and a few other teachers. And then my mother and I came to New York. I was 14, and everyone told us we should go to the School of American Ballet. And the year was 1951. That's quite a while ago, <laughs> if you can subtract. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's over half a century. And um, my mother walked in and said, I want a scholarship. So the ladies at the desk there said, well, we can't do that till Mr. George Balanchine, they just go, uh, sees your daughter in class. And that'll, he won't be in town for two weeks. So he came to class in two weeks, and he just walked in and Every girl in the room went, oh, and I, I'd really never heard of Balanchine, so I just saw a man walk in, and I, you know, I had no reaction, like, oh, here's a famous Balanchine, <laughs> and he walked to the front of class, and he looked for about five minutes, and then he walked out, and at the end of class, I thought, oh, my gosh, I wonder if I got a scholarship, so I walked out. And Mother said, yes, you have a scholarship. And one of the teachers, 
gave me a lifesaver. He was so excited that I'd won a scholarship. Well, I was in the school for uh, 14 to 15 when I was invited to join the New York City Ballet as an apprentice. And I started, I'd never been in a school recital, let alone on stage. So I started with the New York City Ballet in the second movement, Symphony C in the Corps de Ballet. And I didn't know how to put on makeup. Unlike the girls of today, by 15, everyone seems to know how to put makeup on, but I didn't. And then, but after a while, I learned what I should be doing. And uh, my first tour of Europe was when I was 16, and that was 1953. And we toured all over Italy, and that was so exciting. All that great art and all those museums. And I think our per diem was $35 a week. But that was enough, so it just shows you how things were <laughs> in Europe. Changed, yeah. Wow. Um, so you knew. You knew when you were a kid. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know till I was nine that I wanted to dance. And when, when after my mother took me to the library, I saw the dancers were standing on point. And that was very interesting to me. Point shoes. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I had never seen ballet because we were not necessarily in big cities. We were really just in small areas of Florida and California. And the only chance to see it would have been to go to a performance. And um, the ballet, ballet Russe didn't tour that much. So... Um, so then I be, when I became an apprentice, I started going backstage and standing in the wings and watching performances of wonderful, amazing dancers and learning and getting ideas and then thinking, oh, I don't know if I will ever get to do that part. But if I did, I would do it differently than the person I just saw. So I had a lot of ideas. You know, what kind of what kind of work and what kind of your own ideas go into becoming great? Uh, well, uh, the choreography is there. You don't change the choreography, but you might change the interpretation a little bit to fit your your feeling about the music and how. Uh, and then if Balanchine thought you were wrong, he'd tell you. But if he liked what you were doing, it, it's sort of like a sentence. When you say a sentence and in, in a slightly different way, if you're an actor, maybe it's the same words, but you you give a different feeling to it, different nuance. So, it, But it's it's not totally free, but it's some... You can put your stamp on something. Uh, so I, I did do that, and when I was 17, Balanchine created a section called Beyond, 
the unanswered questions section of Isiana. And this is how I found out about it. Every evening after we rehearsed, they'd put up a call board that would say, call who was to appear for a certain rehearsal, 2.30 or this and that. And I was looking at the call board and I saw my name. And there were five men and me. So I mean, it said Kent and then it named. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, does this mean I have a good part? I'm the only girl in this particular section. But no one had told me Balanchine or the ballet, uh, the ballet mistress. You know, so I thought, oh, I mustn't get too excited because maybe, maybe I don't have a principal part. But as it turned out, I did, and uh, so that was the thrilling that Balanchine had yeah. wanted me for a particular part when I was still in this corps de ballet. But he saw me as the only person in the company that he felt would be right for it. That means what a what a what a moment. And is that is that a lot I you know, I know I've come to know you through also through your book, Ballerina Swan. Is is part of what you're what you're saying right now and sharing it seems like that's a lot of what's in this book. Uh yes. Well I I, I dedicate the book to my grandchildren but also I say in loving memory of George Balanchine, who believed in unusual casting. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so great. it's a sort of life story, but not exactly. But um, it's beautiful. It's a small. It's a small novel. I've also written of an autobiography called "Once a Dancer," so that. That that's a, a real memoir. It's not. Uh, children's books are usually picture books are thirty pages. But, well, the, you know, I, I think this book and I think this book also is very inspiring to um, you know young people who might walk into like a ballet class and think, well, I don't fit in here, or I can't do this, or what do I have to do to work hard enough to to accomplish a dream or a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, also, also, not get, give in too quickly. But yeah, but usually nowadays people start in the beginning. So, it's <laughs> not right into the intermediate class. You mean? <laughs> That's funny. But also, you, even uh, if, if you don't, even if you don't become a dancer, it's you can learn coordination. It's a different way of thinking. You're commanding your body. You're doing things you might not necessarily do. You work on balance. You, I mean, there are things that you can learn from dancing and ballet that you might not learn from anything else, but it doesn't have to be your life profession. But if it gives you a lot of joy, and I mean, that's so important. You told me you were a gymnast. Yeah, I I was, and I, I know this definitely isn't about me at all, but I, I, I so agree with you. 
on, you know, if it's not something, you know, I'm not a professional gymnast or a ballerina or a tap dancer or a jazz dancer or a baton twirler, but those are things that I loved as a kid starting at age three and absolutely oh. loved them. And, um, yeah, I was a gymnast since age three, and I remember vividly when they when they uh, took kind of took me aside and said, "You need some ballet to to lighten up your tumbling because I'm I'm a you know I'm a I'm I'm stockier than light and, and thin and ballerina like I'm Mary Lou Retton like <laughs> you know I'm a power tumbler." Oh, yes, and they yeah, and they told me ballet would would just completely change my game on the floor. And did and I'll tell you to this day as an older person, you know I'm I'm 46, um, almost 46, and I will tell you when I when I ache I stretch like a ballerina. Mm-hmm. You know I I do my plies or I do my arms over my you know whatever I'm sure it's not as beautiful as you by any means, but you it's, know my body feels better when I stretch. The the thing about stretching. Uh, now is that they're saying don't do extreme stretches until you're warmed up because you're you're jolting your muscles. So, I mean, I see a lot of people before class and they're doing acrobatics, and it's better to warm up before you do that. But, yes, stretching, oh, my gosh. <laughs> stretching is... <laughs> Important for the body and the mind and the soul. <laughs> and um, oh, so I don't know if we have time, but in 1962, the New York City Ballet went to Russia, and that was part of a sort of exchange. Things were lightening up in Russia; they weren't quite as dire as they were during the Stalin Stalin era. And um, so. We were invited there, and my daughter was two years old at that time, and I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to leave my daughter. We were told once we went to Russia we couldn't go out until the company left. Well, we went to Moscow and started to perform, and suddenly, this was 1962, we were in the midst of the Russian-Cuban um, the oh, Cuban wow. Missile Crisis, yeah, because yeah. that was fall, and Kennedy was president, and I mean, it looked like the world was going to blow up in atomic warfare. And the um, the ambassador, who was in the American ambassador, came over to tell us about this because there was no media, no television, no radio, no. But he came over to tell us, and we were frightened out of our, our wits. And I thought, oh my gosh, if we're all going to die, I want my daughter to be in my arms when we die. Uh, but we didn't stop performing. So no matter how we felt, I, I just kept sewing the ribbons on my point shoes. And the Russian audience just kept coming to see us because we were a phenomenal hit in Russia. They had never seen Balanchine's choreography. They were flabbergasted with the the inventiveness, the ideas, the musicalities. And uh, so finally it looked like everything calmed down and we were no longer in the you know, the precarious 
situation where we thought there was going to be an atomic war. Um, and um, one one ballet that I did of Balanchine's called La Sonambula was an incredible success. I, I was in it as a sonambulist. And every, everyone loved loved me in it, so it was a personal success, which was very gratifying. And actually, <laughs> that was really a long time ago, 1962. <laughs> so what year was that? 1962, so... I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I got seven over years half more. Of- what happened in 1969? <laughs> I love that. Well... Yeah, it's over half a century ago. <laughs> it's um, so amazing. You, you, you know, one of the things that I really loved um, talking with you about before we went on the show were there are pictures of you. There are so many. I don't know if you've ever, you know, gotten on the computer and and Googled Allegra Kent. There are some of the most beautiful photographs of you. Um, oh, just so many of them. I didn't even know what to quite choose for this show. D- would you share some of? So, you know some of your mo- favorite photos. Well, uh, describe them maybe. Yeah. Well, the I I love the one. I think you might have it mm-hmm. because you've been researching this. Is the one about <laughs> yeah. and me taking a bow in Russia, actually Leningrad, and I'm in the La Sonambula costume, and he's just beaming, and we're both. Thrilled. People were throwing bouquets at me, and when I say Leningrad, uh, it's now back to its original name, Saint Petersburg. But during the Stalin era and the the Soviet Union era, they had changed it to Leningrad. So uh, you, yes, that photo yeah, I love. I do too. I, love. I, I I'm sorry. And then also, one of my favorite ballets that I danced was the second movement of Symphony in C. The music is Bizet. And I think you might have a photograph of me in that. I'm, it's a white tutu, and I'm in a penché arabesque. And I'm not sure what else you have. <laughs> no, I, I do. I just, I had so, there were so many of them, and they're beautiful. And... Um, it just it just seems like everything about you is beautifully graceful even to this day just oh, absolutely beautiful and graceful and kind and um it's just it's really a treat to be able to speak with you and and share your story with our audience i really just appreciate you taking well if the you time. want to read my book my grown up book it's called once a dancer and um at the moment i'm teaching at barnard college and I'm working on two other children's books. So, neat. Do you um when you walk into the room and you see all those little faces, um, you know the the seven year olds or nine year olds or the eleven year olds, do you ever see yourself? Do you ever well, say, "Oh, there's, there's a great one"? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically at Barnard, they are. It's a college, so they Older, are. Yeah. <laughs> they're 19 and uh, a lot of them love, love, love 
ballet, but they've decided they're going to go in a different direction, but they want to continue their love of dance. So uh, dancers are smart. I, I mean, a lot... <laughs> well, you know, that's... I, you know I, I was going to say that about you um, because it's almost like you could teach history also with the places oh. you've been in. The... <laughs> uh, maybe some kind of history, a personal history. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I, I just um, think it's interesting all the places that you've been in the and the time oh, where you've been there have it's quite fascinating. Uh, yes, I mean that would be the Cuban Missile Crisis from the oh. inside, what it was like, and uh, oh, oh I, the company also went to Australia in 1958, Japan. We went to Denmark. Uh, you know, Germany, Austria, France. You know, we just went all over the world. Yeah. And that that was so terrific, you know, to see so much and go to the museums and see the art in, yeah. of the country and the music and just learn as much as you can. But, of course... You're rehearsing, you're in theater working, but whenever you get a chance, you know, you get to go out and get a flavor of the country. When, um, do you, I'm going to go back to the young kids again for a second here. Do, okay. do you ever um, spot, Do you, I don't know if you're ever in this situation even, but do you, are you ever called upon to say, Allegra, can you come look at this ballerina? We've We've found... You know, someone who's like you or great or, you know, those types of things? Do do people call upon you to have well, you evaluate answers? No, and I'm glad they don't because I, I don't want to do that, evaluate someone. But I, I do coach the parts I used to dance. So in a professional company, if someone's doing bugaku or serenade or... Uh, Symphony in C or a pas de deux from Midsummer's Night Dream. I'd, I'd love to help dancers, professional dancers, with their work, and because I, I could, I tell them what Balanchine told me. So it's a way of passing on those thoughts that I. Re- oh, so um, yeah, but but I. You know, I don't evaluate people because I feel that I'm that's not my place. Yeah, no, I agree. I I was just sort of wondering where that I knew you were pay, you know, passing it forward somewhere and I was just trying to figure out where it might be if it was with professionals or kids or I didn't know if it might be kids since you had this children's book. Um, but I think you, well, you 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 do that yes. through the kids with the children's book and the adults the other way. <laughs> I get it. Well, I I have three children. I had them when I was during my 20s, so that that was kind of crazy thing to do in the ballet sense. But I I wanted to play with children, my own children, so that's why I did that. And I have grandchildren. I have four grandchildren. And uh, I just love playing with children. But... I, I don't want to evaluate someone young because everybody takes ballet for different reasons. 
And um, so I I don't just want to I I just want to uh, see professionals and help them. And if someone in the audience asks me opinion about a dancer I just saw on stage, they say, well, what did you think? And I usually say, it doesn't matter what I think. It, it, what's important is what you think. Because I don't want to have a conversation or a, a kind of conversation where I'm saying, oh, it just touched me, and they're saying, oh, I didn't like it at all. I mean, that something like that doesn't go anywhere. Right. Yeah, it never because, does in any kind of sense or setting. No, because people get different things. If, if, For instance, I like to read a certain kind of book. Other people wouldn't like that book. Some people like mysteries. I prefer maybe reading old fiction, Balzac and, you know, Stendhal. Yeah. And... But, but a history, history and biographies, almost any age, uh, I mean, modern biographies or historical, because I, I love to learn about people and their childhoods. But there are certain kind of books I just, just don't interest me, and that's the same. Everyone has favorites in every field. Even people say, oh, this is my favorite flower. I won't even say that. One minute I love irises so much, and then I love roses, and I love, you know, it's just too hard. It is. I agree with you, too. People say, what's your favorite color? And I'm like, well, today it's yellow. Or whatever. It's funny. Yeah. That's really funny. So, yeah. It's sort of a moment. Who's your favorite painter? So I have many favorites and many, you know. That means you're positive. That's that's beautiful. I think when you have a ton of favorites, it means you have a zest for life and and super positive and have a ton of great energy. So I th- I think that's all good. Yeah, and it's so, good to be it's it's good to be curious. Curiosity is so important. I agree with you. Because then you I, can I totally agree with you. You can pursue your curiosity. Well, I was curious about ballet. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. <laughs> so I did find out, and um, yes, you did, didn't you? <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> you know, the the whole time we're we're talking, my, you might hear my phone buzzing in the background uh, because people are tweeting with questions um, for you, and uh, just in social media, people are asking me questions to ask you. And one of the questions that three people have asked now is, "Can you talk more about your mom?" Because my that mother sounds like you, yes. People are asking if you would talk more about your mom. Well, my mother was very, very restless. And uh, that that's why we changed our uh, home, well, our apartment so many times during World War II because uh, she she wanted to solve problems by uh, out-distancing, out-distancing problems. So if things were not going well in Florida, she thought, oh, let's go to California, and then let's go back to Florida, and then when the war was over, we were in Miami Beach, which was very different there than it is now. There were empty lots, there were, it's just a different place, and 
Um, so she she wasn't that happy there. All the soldiers had left, and so she thought, I think, oh, also during my last year, my fourth grade in Miami Beach, Florida, we had 20 substitute teachers because the kids were difficult, and then they learned that they could get a, a substitute to leave <laughs> by really being impossible. And so my mother oh, thought, why? I, think, I think my children should go to boarding school. And she chose this boarding school, and I knew nothing about it. I was nine years old, my brother 10, and I got there, and I thought, oh, I hate this. I'm alone. I miss my mother. I, uh, my mother had painted it in glorious pictures, and here I was, alone. And I became, but when she left, I didn't cry because there was no point in crying. It wouldn't have done any good. Yeah, it was done. Oh, so my mother made very strange decisions. And then when I told her I want, wanted to become a ballerina, she became totally behind me and helped me tremendously. So uh, she didn't really work. We, we didn't live with my father because uh, my mother and father were divorced. And she didn't really approve of my father. So um, I wasn't close to him. And uh, so if she could just change the side, she was dissatisfied. But she didn't work because basically he supported us. Right. And he was a traveling salesman at that point, which uh, – so this is – Dating back to the the forties, uh, where where um, traveling salesmen that had sold dresses to department stores would carry the dresses around in their car and then rent a hotel room and then the buyers would come in and buy it. So it was a kind of my mother thought that was really low class to be a traveling salesman. And uh, so we came to New York, and she had nothing to do. So she was a little bit too, uh, you know, too much involved with me and my sister. I, I didn't mention I had a sister also. And that was not good because uh, it, it's lucky to have a working mother and not someone who's just on top of you every minute. And... Uh, she she made a lot of decisions for me. We, we were we're Jewish, but suddenly we became Christian scientists, and uh, you know, it, she made a lot of for decisions, me, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. For me, that wow. was very bad religion because uh, it just I I just didn't want to. I mean, I, there are Christian scientists today, and I don't want to say anything yeah, no. that might offend them, but. For me, I couldn't pray away a soft corn, and it it just didn't work for me personally. After after I had my first baby, I gave up Christian Science totally because I thought if my baby cries, I don't know why she's crying, 
and I want to have a doctor for her and find out if she's just crying like babies do cry or if there's something wrong with her. Sure. So, um, and then my mother sort of pushed me a bit into my first marriage because she felt it would be a lot of security for me, but we were incompatible. And I left him after the first two weeks. He was a famous photographer. But my mother encouraged me to go back. She said, you must go back. You have to go back. So I, I was sort of, something in my nature made me very susceptible to listening to advice. And very often you could give you can give and follow bad advice. When people today ask me for advice, I say, "Well, no, maybe I would do this. That's my advice, but I but don't listen to me." <laughs> Call because, your own heart and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> no, like because that. you can give wrong advice. People have to figure things out, you know. But you know, I think I think of all of that. One of the things I'm hearing is kind of like you. You definitely kind of know what you like and don't like. You seem uh, more decisive than ever, in a way. Well, it took me a long time to be <laughs> to become yeah. If, to, yeah to trust my own judgment. But mm-hmm. um, it's it, yeah. But there. other people don't have this problem. But on stage, I didn't have this problem. So it was like. It was a total kind of different thing. My mother was very gregarious. She loved talking and talking. I mean, that was... Some people just love... They're very loquacious. They love talking. And I was very quiet. I didn't like to have lots of conversations. But when I found dance, that became my my conversation, my powerful conversation. But it wasn't in words. It it was through movement and the music that I expressed myself and wanted to express myself. So that's a bit about my mother. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great bit about your mother. It's a it's a great bit about parenting in general too. There's some good takeaways right there that I think we all need to to listen to. Um, the other the other question we um, boy we're we're going to come short on time here. We've got just about yeah. five more minutes to chat with you, and I think we're we're pushing it a little bit here. Um, right. Somebody wants to know, of, of all the things that you've done, do you have a favorite? Dancing. Yeah, I think they meant like of, all the th- of all the places that you've danced or things. That, oh, you, know, oh, you all, mean a favorite location? Favorite, a favorite oh, location Italy. or a favorite performance? or? Oh, oh I think uh, 1962 in Russia, La Sonambula. I think we knew, we knew that answer kind of, but I thought I would ask again. And then, um, what is the other? Hang on, just one second. We have another question here. And, I'll be um, oh, it's about your kids and grandkids. Can you hear oh. me still? Yes, I, I'm oh, so yeah. happy. I live in New York City, and two of my children live in Connecticut, and one in New York City. So I'm really lucky that I can visit them so often. I just get on the train and go up. I don't have to cross an ocean. And I love playing with my grandchildren. 
<laughs> does Does anybody dance, or or do they follow in your they dance, your but not following the steps? They don't want to become professional. They just like taking their classes and moving. And yeah. so, actually, you know, it's a career. It's a hard career, and um, I think it's good just to dance if you love it. But you know, some people are they want to pursue it to professional status, and my grandchildren don't. And that's fine with me. They should just, you can't totally, you can push your kids to be disciplined and good study habits, and but you can't push them into a profession. You can't, can you? Um, I, I totally agree with that. I have four very different kids, each one doing their own thing, and, and um but you could see it's interesting because at a young age you could see the the passion for what they each do. It was very it was always with our kids it was very clear um, kind of where their passions were, and um, they haven't really wavered from that. Like one always looked up at the sky and the stars, and uh, he's going to go to school to be a meteorologist. Fantastic. That kind of thing. Yeah. So. But and never some pushed. children are not decided, and they don't have a passion until later. You know, there's no formula for any. No, individual. I totally agree. And but the 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 good thing is to always work hard, study, be focused, and drink milk. I mean, everyone's drinking this. <laughs> <laughs> drink milk. That's cute. <laughs> They're drinking I milk crazy. Yeah, we need our calcium. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Don't I sound peculiar? Anyway, this has been <laughs> no, wonderful. All good. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Peculiar as, we, as you want. We love you, and thank you very much for the, for being with us. And um, just I want to mention your book one more time. Both of them. Um, Once a dancer. Um, that's more of a, a memoir that you were saying, a real life um, account, autobiography. And then there's Ballerina Swan. Uh, that is a children's book. That is. Um, very close. I, as I read this, I'm like, oh, I think I know her <laughs> already. It's your story, and it's it's beautifully um, beautifully written. And I I just appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. And oh, thank you for answering. Thank you for asking thank me. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Um. Thank you very much. Take care. And Bye. everybody, that's Allegra Kent. She's just absolutely a, a beautiful person and soul. And um, her book Ballerina Swan is available wherever books are sold. And uh, it's beautifully illustrated also by Emily Arnold McCulley. Um, she's a Caldecott medalist. Uh, and, again, this book is just beautiful. And we put the book on our Best Ever You Best Books list for January. Um, so you can go to besteveryou.com and click on the book section. And Allegra's book is right there in the Best book section with a link to um, purchase it. Uh, and I think I put the Amazon link up. And um, we gave it our Best Ever You Blue Ribbon Award, and we just uh, really appreciate Allegra being with us. So thank you, Allegra, again. And thank you all so much for listening. Take care and have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Network. For more information, just visit us at besteveryou.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.